Y'all heard this one before? Right? I remember, this is a fine translation, I remember all those, woe to you who are fat. Oh, dang. Oh, no. This is a hard one. You have probably heard this one, obviously, because um, this is one of the famous ones where we get like our Beatitudes. There is the Matthew version of this where you get the Sermon on the Mount taught to the crowds. This is the Luke version of this where it starts with a teaching after teaching the crowds. He's talking to the disciples. This lesson, folks, if you've come to church that the word might renew you again in good and right spirit. This is the text, folks. This has been called the central central bit of tenets for Christian discipleship. This is some of the most quoted, repeated teachings of Jesus. We all know these. These are bumper sticker worthy. Um, But the reason I think they're regarded as such is because these teachings are so good, not just for half the audience, but it's even kind of good for the ones who are getting the woes, which is great news for myself, as I said. Um, There is really important teaching happening here. Even the woes section is great news for us, and I'll explain. So like I said, this sermon, this bit of teachings uh, from Jesus is is directed specifically towards disciples. This is towards people who have said, I'm going to follow this Jesus person. And he gets into it. And the reason he gets into this teaching is because this is really how they're going to interact and respond to the needs of society, how they're going to live within their community. So what examples do we get? To those who mourn and weep, what is the responsibility of the faithful? To be a blessing to them. To those who are hungry, what is the responsibility of the faithful who believe in this kingdom come? Feed them. (laughs) For those who need a jacket, We got jackets. This is central, easy stuff. It's about how we're going to care for the world, be a blessing. This is great stuff. And it's the kind of stuff that I would say on All Saints Sunday is the kind of work that's often attributed to the classical sort of traditional understanding of saints, right? Feeding the hungry, binding up the broken, the miraculous works of healing and love, compassion, justice, setting the captive free. This is saint work. And it's great that we remember all those who have passed on before us, as remember all of us have that saint within us, our ability to affect the world through how we love, how we serve, how we bless our neighbors. Um, And what's really good news in this story is for those who are suffering, this is an obviously good news reading. And like I said, Jesus then takes a turn and starts, I feel like, very personally attacking me. Oh, laughing's a problem, huh? Oh, I get it. I laugh a lot. I get it. I'm a big, fat, funny guy. I get it. Oh, those with possessions. Okay, I have some things. I wouldn't call myself rich, but I guess if I'm considering the whole world, I guess I'm crazy wealthy. Ah, man, fat, laughing got a house and stuff. There's just lots of woes for me in this text. And it bums me out. He's got me dead to rights, those who are fed, those who are laughing. It's unfair. 
I'm sure you're already a little nervous, like, oh, here comes the pastor. He's going down this road again. Pastor's going to tell me how awful I am because I have a home or a car, or he's going to judge me for having a career, a family, and that I've actually been responsible, tucked aside a little money for those tough days. I, I get it. Some people would consider these teachings quite divisive. I understand. But, folks, this is Jesus talk. This isn't pastor talk. It's Jesus talk. There is real instruction to those who have been giving a lot, to those who have been blessed, to those who have resources. There's a real, very practical teaching here. So what I'll do is instead of going down the rabbit hole that can make us go, oh, here comes pastor's manifesto of how I should share my toys. Um, No, I'm going to give you an ancient teaching, one I think we can all kind of get a grip on, which is for those who much is given, much is expected. For you Spider-Man fans, you know what I'm going to say. With great, responsi- with great power comes great responsibility, right? This is really basic stuff. This isn't wild stuff I'm talking about here. This seems fair. It's a teaching I'm actually doing in a small group I'm working with uh, right now. Um, it's actually a very small group. If you're interested in joining on Wednesday nights, love to have you. Wednesday nights at 6, we'll be talking about this topic right here. Um, we're talking about covenant and kingdom, which is about identity, so what we've been given, what we possess, and uh, kingdom, what our responsibility to that identity is, the work of this identity. It's important for us to consider this because I think that's what's really at the heart of the uh, Beatitudes. Um, In our class, we're talking about stories throughout the Bible, how this idea of um, identity and responsibility is woven throughout the scriptures. Um, we're talking about Adam and Eve. We're talking so far about Abraham, Joseph, Moses. We're getting to the David story next week. Sneak peek, folks. You want to hear about David? I'm here Wednesday night. I'll see you there. Um, but I mean, the example I'll give is uh, Abraham, right? We all know Father Abraham. He is given an identity in God, and the job is basically, I'm going to bless you. You're going to be my people. I'm going to be your God. That's your identity. Well, what's the responsibility to that identity? When you encounter someone, when someone happens upon you, you need to show them who I am by how you treat them. So you are to be a blessing to them. Blessed to be a blessing. That's where we get that idea from Abraham. Uh, Jacob's son, Joseph. You know, Donny Osmond, amazing Technicolor dream coat. Big teeth. Um, very fancy boy, uh, Jacob, who has a problem with his identity because God has given him so much. He's clearly a management type. He gets a very fancy coat. He's been given so much. He can even interpret dreams. But if you ask him where it comes from, it's because he's a pretty swell guy. Well, no, he finds out through a lot of hardship that this is a gift from God, and he has a responsibility to honor God through these gifts that he has been given. Moses, same thing. Guy goes through an identity crisis. He's a baby drawn from the water, a Hebrew in Pharaoh's court. Talk about a strange identity crisis. Then he flees, he becomes some shepherd out in the middle of nowhere and is called back, said, no, 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 you're going to lead the Hebrew people. He's like, I don't even know what I am. The whole story is about Moses trying to figure out who he is and what it means to trust in God. What all these stories throughout scriptures will say is regardless of your station, we need to remember that God is God and we are God's people. God provides, and our response to such provision is one that should be rooted in the values at which we receive them. So if God gives, we have a responsibility to that gift, to give thanks, to do so faithfully in our service, which makes sense. 
God gives, we serve. Much is given, much is expected. I'm still stuck on this woe stuff. I'm still hung up on it. I can't shake it. I'm still feeling concerned about woe to those who are comfortable. I know I've missed the mark. I know I have not done enough with what I've been given, an embarrassment of riches, and I just haven't been an embarrassment of, I don't know, blessings to others. I know I can be selfish. I know I'm quite heavy and quite comfortable. I know I fall, I fail to comfort. I know I fail to be present at times with people because I know I'm a selfish creature that wants to have a very great time. I struggle to be someone who cares for those who mourn, struggles to be with someone who is going through a tough time. I know I can get distracted by my own desires. And I'll be honest, I'm worried about the woe to you parts because woe to me just sounds so absolutely calamitous. I meant that when I said that to, to, uh, to Ken. Woe to you. If someone told you woe to you about something, you'd go, cool it. When on earth do you hear woe used? Woe. I hear woe used in a woe. Like that's a fireworks response. Woe. Also, what's another way we hear woe? Woe. You think I'm making jokes. No, I think I'm onto something. Whoa, why would you say woe to a horse? Calm down. <laughs> whoa, this is getting out of hand. I'm a little nervous about how this is going. Woe really is about calamity. Woe is lit- what about woe as something calamitous is very likely to happen here? Woe to you. Woe to you. It says, comforted, the well-fed, Woe. Be wary. Keep alert. Focus. Slow down. Because good things can really quickly become pretty gluttonous, right? With great advice. It's great advice. I've said it. This version is for, uh, in Luke, is for the disciples. And it's also for Luke's community. A group of wealthy people are hearing this teaching. It's not saying wealthy people are excluded. It's saying wealthy people, whoa, be mindful, be attentive. Great advice of self-assessment and humility because it's responsibility. A question, do your possessions possess you? Do your actions serve your possessions or your values? Do you serve your comfort or do you serve your hopes? Do you serve your own belly alone? These are good questions. Whoa, consider how we will answer these things. That's really great wisdom to share. Good news for all of us who are well-fed. Whoa. To all of us who are comfortable. To all of us who have plenty. And I worry that in the midst of, I'll say now, a political season, all of us are being told 24-7 what to be frustrated about in a way that seems to encourage all of us quite the opposite. Don't, no, 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 whoa. Think about yourself. Think about yourself. Think about your ways. Think about the things that comfort you. Think about the things you like. And then vote correspondingly to make sure no one puts any sort of divisions between that. You need to get what you want. You need to think about you. You need to think about what you're afraid of, what you're scared of, and what you need to feel comfortable. Very practical teaching, though, today. 
I think it's good news for those of us who can feel at times, based on the season, inundated by outrage. In this time where we feel particularly protective of all our possessions, particularly protective of our comforts, particularly protective of our status, our spot, our ways, our rhythms, our traditions, whatever it is. Whoa. Whoa. (laughs) Let's not lose sight of the mission. The mission hasn't changed. There are still hungry who need to be fed, even when we're afraid of if we have enough. There are those mourning who need comfort. There are still those captive, crying for freedom. So the good news is that this, this message, like Jesus' entire ministry, speaks to us in any place. That's what good news does. In times where we are broken, when we are beaten, when we are hurt, when we are devastated, there is always a word of hope to be found here. A word that tells us the worst thing that can happen to you is not the last thing. That the kingdom will have the lame leaping for joy. That the kingdom will set the captive free. Captivity in all its forms, whether it's physical captivity or how about captivity found in addiction, captivity found in depression, illness, you name it. That's the promise. You will be set free and that is good news for all those who need to hear good news. But here's what makes it really good news, special good news, that Jesus effect that speaks to all people in all places. It also speaks in its challenging Whoa, an abrupt slowdown to all of us who are just doing all right, who have been by grace given so much and may be feeling a bit too protective of our own comforts, making us cautious instead of confident, making us skeptical instead of hopeful, making us anxious instead of generous. It speaks to us in the midst of that, in the midst of comfortable It reminds us that we can manipulate our surroundings in such a way that we never hear the cries of those who are mourning or suffering. I could find myself never sitting at a table with someone who has less than me. I could find myself never listening to someone who has an experience different than my own. Whoa. (laughs) Don't lose sight. You are fed. You are comforted. You are laughing but let's not get carried away. It's good news to me because it's a pep talk. It's a reminder that good news is good for all people. It's good for all of us, even when it sounds like a challenge. And for that, I say thanks be to God for this opportunity for us as a people to gather and hear that word of challenge, hear that word of comfort that's somehow mingled by the Holy Spirit in this promise of Jesus Christ experienced at a table of mercy. Thank God for a word that speaks to us no matter where we are, that good news is good news for all people. However, I need to hear it. Amen.